It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Panthers, your daily Carolina Panthers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Panthers podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, as always, Julian Council, talking Carolina Panthers with you every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, your team every day. That's what we do here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Be sure to watch the show and subscribe to the show over on our Locked On Panthers YouTube channel. You can also check us out wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Just be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of the show. And be sure to follow me, Julian Council, on Twitter, at Julian Council, right down there for all the YouTube viewers, where every single Friday, like today, I answer your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. And to participate in next week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, if you missed out on this week, just be sure to at me or DM me on Twitter, at Julian Council. Today's episode of Locked On Panthers is brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Let's start off today's show by me giving my final thoughts before heading into the week two matchup between your Carolina Panthers and the New York Football Giants, who had an impressive win on Sunday afternoon against the Tennessee Titans. I caught the last half of it on Sunday afternoon and was pretty surprised that Tennessee, who was the number one seed in the AFC last year, and they did a lot of that without Derrick Henry, that they lost that game where going back and watching more of it, they controlled the entire first half. The Giants' offense was anemic. There did not seem to be any sort of sign that New York would win that game. Tennessee didn't put them away in the first half, and New York came back. Saquon Barkley was running all over that Tennessee defense that ended up giving up 238 yards. Daniel Jones even stepped up, and he made some plays with his legs and even some plays with his arm. Overall, the Giants' offense isn't that threatening through the air. Sterling Shepard had a 65-yard reception, and outside of that, for that touchdown, there wasn't anything from him. Kenny Galladay, who is a ski mask all-star at this point in time, stealing money from the New York Giants, and really, Dave Gettleman robbed himself by giving him all that money, and we all know how Dave Gettleman runs things in an organization as their general manager. The Giants offensively really do not scare me. But here's the thing. Until the Carolina Panthers can show they can stop the run, especially against backs like a Nick Chubb, like a Saquon Barkley, it's very hard for me to sit here and feel all that confident in the Carolina Panthers' ability to win the game. I understand Matt Rule keeps going back to, oh, in the final 35 minutes, we averaged 7.7 yards per play, and that would have been third in the league a week ago had we done it over the course of 60 minutes. Well, the thing is, you didn't do it over the course of 60 minutes. And the hope now is that the Panthers' offense can get going immediately because apparently you can't depend on the defense to get off the field and to stop the run. And that is opposite of what Matt Rule thought it was going to be starting off the season where they wanted to lean on the defense, where they have primarily put all their draft assets and even free agent assets in to fix that side of the ball and have it to be the second best unit as far as team defense was a year ago. But what did we not see on Sunday? Didn't see any takeaways. Didn't see any pressure. 
and at least they were better in the red zone, but they could not stop the run. So things that we had questions about going into the year was would anyone opposite of Brian Burns step up? Didn't see it on Sunday, and Phil Snow spoke to the media on Thursday, the Panthers defensive coordinator, and talked about how Burns is going to see double teams all year. He's going to get chipped. There's nothing they can really do about that. He just has to fight through it. But on the other side, someone has to step up and provide a semblance of a threat as an edge rusher. The run, they were god-awful against it a year ago when they played against teams that were physical up front and really wanted to run it down your throat. They played one team so far this season, and that team, the only chance Cleveland could win that game. And as I told you all week ago, the only chance Cleveland wins that game is by getting takeaways, which they got the one turnover of the game, and by running it down the Panthers' defense throat and controlling the line of scrimmage and time of possession, and that's what they did. So two things that we were concerned about defensively, they did not step up and do. And even the secondary, key penalties from J.C. Horn and from C.J. Henderson that both helped Cleveland score. In that game, five penalties overall on defense, that extended drives. So defensively, they have to be so much better against a Giants team where if you can take away the run and really force Daniel Jones to beat you, I don't see how that's going to happen with those receivers against this secondary, which is supposed to be the strength of the defense. At least that's what my opinion was heading into this season. Now for Matt Rule, it feels like a must win. Now, if they go 0-2, we saw the percentages last year when they started off 3-0. The percentages say that you're going to make the playoffs. I did not think they were going to go 2-12 from then on. I came to the year talking about how maybe they could start off 3-0, but still my final prediction was 8-9 because of my concerns over Sam Darnold and the offensive line that played out, and they were much worse on the scoreboard as far as going 5-12 than I expected that they would be a season ago. So if Carolina starts off 0-2, the season's not over. You come back home, you get New Orleans, you get Arizona, who just got the doors beat off of them a week ago against the Kansas City Chiefs. But that offense in Kansas City ain't what we have here in Carolina. And that quarterback in Kansas City is definitely not what we have here in Carolina. Although I think there is an improvement in Baker Mayfield from Sam Darnold and from Teddy Bridgewater. And we saw that in the final 35 minutes of last week. And then they get a rookie in Trey Lance, who through three career starts, hasn't looked all that great in loss to the Bears in a swampy environment that they had in Chicago a week ago. Like, season's not over if they lose. But the negativity that I sat here and talked with Josh Klein about is only going to be further amplified. All I wanted was to come in this season and for Matt Rule to get off to a good start just so I wouldn't have to listen to the Fire Rule crowd. They've been emboldened. They've been empowered by a performance on Sunday, for the most part, that was pretty meh. They weren't good. They deserved to lose that game. I do, though, give them credit for competing. And Phil Snow brought that up again on Thursday, like Matt Rule did. They were encouraged by the fact that they did get things going, that they did compete. And at the defense, hey, it took them all day, but they got a stop to put the team in position to take the lead, just couldn't get the second stop. And, of course, the referees and the unfortunate penalties didn't help in that situation. But Matt Rule, if he wants to stay here in Carolina past this season – I would advise him to figure it out this week and for his team to be prepared and to not lose to a Giants team. That is not going to be good. I get what the Giants schedule looks like right now. I'm sure Giants fans are talking themselves into a 4-0 start, but that is a rebuild. They are trying to tear that roster down. They being Joe Shane, who spent time here in Carolina to start off his career, then went to be the assistant general manager in Buffalo under Brandon Bean, him and Brian Dable, the Buffalo pair of now New York, they're trying to bring the, break this down to the studs. 
They're trying to figure out whether they have a quarterback. I don't know what they're going to do with Saquon Barkley after the season, especially after being injured every season after his rookie year. That's not a team expected to compete. And the Carolina Panthers are a team in year three that the expectation always by then was supposed to compete. So you're supposed to be a competitive team. They're supposed to stink. Go out there. Be more physical. Don't make dumb penalties and win the game. The Panthers have a better roster. But why I had to choose against them? They have let me not. They have not given me any reason to believe that one called upon. They can stop the run. And Saquon's healthy right now, and he looked damn good on Sunday. So I have my concerns, and I sure as hell don't want to be here on Sunday afternoon having a breakdown of the pod, having a breakdown of the game, and talking about zero and two. And then all the boo birds coming out, and all the negativity on Twitter. And really, it's not even negativity; it's just God's honest truth. Because they're zero and two for someone who is to- totally fine bringing back rule for a third year. Gonna be really hard to jump on board and want to go forward with that. Even though, like, the best thing for the Panthers, obviously, is not to fire your coach after two weeks, because that just shows dysfunction in what head coach would want to come here if that's what David Tepper wants to do. But it's only gonna lead us even down further down the road of what I think a lot of y'all feel is inevitable. And certainly they start off 0-2. It would be hard for me to argue against that at this point in time. All right. Let's take a quick pause here. Then on the other side, I'm going to answer all of your weekly Friday mailbag questions right here on Locked On Panthers. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want wherever you want it from a community of local hosts. Browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip. Get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday, or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and just want to get from point A to point B. Test drive that new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits in your everyday lifestyle. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance, terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Ditch boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get to it. The weekly Friday mailbag here on Locked on Panthers. Again, if you did not participate in this week's edition of the weekly Friday mailbag, either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. But first, of course, be sure to click that follow button on Twitter as I have plenty of thoughts about Carolina Panther games ongoing on Sunday. So if you want to see uh, what I'm saying then, to get a little preview of what I might say later on in the pod and what I'm saying throughout the week, go ahead and follow me there over on Twitter at Julian Council. Let's start off with Daniel, who asks, how does the Panthers offense get going early Versus the Giants, and how does the D contain Barkley? He just rushed for 160-plus against the Titans and almost 200 yards from scrimmage. Starting off the latter question, how do they contain Saquon Barkley? Something that would certainly help for Carolina is if they can tackle. They miss 
18 tackles on Sunday for 190 yards after contact for the Cleveland Browns, who averaged 5.6 yards per carry. They have to tackle better. There isn't the excuse that you have in college where you don't have a preseason. I do understand that plenty of these guys are in and out of the lineup, like a J.C. Horn, like a C.J. Henderson, Shaq Thompson, of course. But everyone else, man, they got opportunities to play in that first preseason against Washington. They were there for the um, joint practices and the preseason game. I guess they didn't play the second one against New England, but they were there for that full half uh, against Buffalo. Like They had enough, in my opinion, to be ready to go tackling-wise. Like week one, it's going to be a struggle because you're first getting out there and really playing a full 60 minutes and trying to get back in football shape. I totally understand that. I just don't want to hear the excuses from a unit especially that Matt Rule was hoping to lean on there in week one while the offense figured it out. Now, for me, how they get started, you would like to see Christian McCaffrey be a part of the early game plan. Get him the ball, get him in space, see what you can do. Also, find a way to get DJ Moore involved as well. I'm sure Dory Jackson will be lined up on him. Maybe look at Robbie Anderson or also look at Shai Smith, considering that the Giants are down their number two corner who had an emergency appendectomy surgery earlier this week. So looking on the other side of the wide receivers, there should be opportunities. But really getting Christian involved, trying to get some quick hitters, maybe get DJ involved in that game. That's what I think the Carolina Panthers offense really needs to do early on is establish a line of scrimmage, be able to run the football, hit Christian on maybe some of those choice routes out of the backfield and find a way to get the ball into DJ Moore's hands and be creative. It doesn't have to only be throwing the football. Like I guess I have said every carry that's not Christian McCaffrey can be a wasted carry. Well, DJ Moore, we've said he's a running back who plays wide receiver. And we even kind of say the same thing about Christian McCaffrey can be a wide receiver who plays running back. DJ, rather see him have the ball in his hands because he is one of your top two playmakers on his offense than seeing Chuba Hubbard or Deontay Foreman ever touch the ball out of the backfield. So you want to do something like a jet sweep, put DJ back there. I'm cool with it. Be creative. Get the ball into your two playmakers' hands and give Baker some confident throws to really get in that rhythm because they didn't really see me get in a rhythm on Sunday until later on in that game. And the Panthers can ill afford to sit here and wait. Now, they were lucky a week ago that Jacoby Brissett was – Pretty bad, because if they had Deshaun Watson or any capable quarterback in there, the Panthers would have got their doors blown off of them in the first half, and they would have even had no chance coming back in that game. All right, now we got uh, Jake, who kind of asked a similar question, you know, can the Panthers defense stop uh, Saquon Barkley? I don't know. That's definitely the key to victory. Um, going on to Nathan now, uh, how would you compare the hot seat of Matt Rule to the hot seat that Ron Rivera was on before he turned things around and became coach of the year? Are we as a fan base too quick to jump ship on a coach before they even have time to prove what kind of coach they can be? If I remember correctly, the pitchforks were the pitchforks rather were out for Ron and then became a beloved coach in the community. Love the show and love to hear your thoughts on this. Thank you, Nathan. Also, Zan had kind of the inverse of that saying, Julian, I've lost all hope. I have no more love to give to this team. It has drained me. We have a Matt Rule problem, but even worse, we have a David Tepper problem. I agree with you on that. My question is, how many losses does it take for Matt Rule to get fired? And is there anything to look forward to the entirety of the David Tepper owning this team? Can we even trust David Tepper picking the next coach? I don't all that's my point has been for a long time that if you have a problem with Matt Rule, totally fine. And if you want to get him fired, if you want him to be fired, Okay, that's your prerogative. Just understand who's going to do the hiring. And I'm sure your rebuttal is, oh, whoa, 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 maybe Scott Fitterer takes care of it. Who signed Scott Fitterer's checks? David Tepper. David Tepper is an active participant in all of this. David Tepper will have the final say. It's very likely that Scott Fitterer is someone who will 
hand him candidates and he'll be in there during the interviews and that maybe David will listen to him. But at the end of the day, if David Tepper finds someone who is a short order cook like him, who sweats like him and who dresses like crap like him and those meatballs, that might end up being the next head coach here in Carolina. Now, typically, you go out and find somebody who's completely opposite of the coach that he's hired, but he's going to hire someone who we can relate to and he feels like is going to be the right coach here in Carolina. And there's still an opportunity for David Tepper. As much as I dog David Tepper, he's still very early in all this. And really, if we're thinking about it, as far as the football side of things, this is the third year David Tepper really having his people in place. The business side of things, I mean, we've seen the people that have left uh, Tepper Sports and Entertainment. So that speaks for itself as well. It's still early. He can still figure things out as he learns to be an owner and listen and hire the right people and let them do their job. So there is still faith. I just don't trust him because he's a carpetbagging Yankee from Pittsburgh, and I'm from Charlotte originally, and I necessarily don't love all the transplants and carpetbagging Yankees that come down here and think that they're going to turn a city in their own image. Like, certainly come here, help embrace, embrace our city, help it grow, help it find other identities, but you don't own us. That's why I don't necessarily like David Tepper and the whole basement fan comment, that stuff is out of That's just ridiculous. But back to Nathan and his point of do fans get too quick to jump off the ship? Absolutely. People have done that here with Matt Rule. Okay, year one. They brought in Teddy Bridgewater. I get it. And Josh Klein brought this up the other day. A lot of it stems from how they treated Cam Newton on the way out, where they talked about Matt Rule saying that he wanted Cam to be here. And like Josh also said, what else is he going to say in that situation? You would love the honesty being like, well, actually, we'd like to find somebody else who I think fits what we want to do better with Joe Brady as our OC. But that's not what he said. He said he wants to work with Cam. And they have Honeywell sponsoring all this and basically sponsoring the drama of will Cam stay, will Cam go? And I thought that was absurd. The way they handled it was poor. And especially at the time where they allowed him to seek a trade, there was no trade to be had at that point in time. There was no quarterback money out there on the market. And as we've seen, the NFL doesn't really seem to be all interested in Cam Newton in his current state, which is unfortunate. But just the reality of the situation, that was not made better by the Carolina Panthers. So how they handled that, that was poor. But they did bring him back last year. You got what you wanted. And how did that work out for you? Not great. It was fun 10 days, as I keep telling y'all. But still, I get why people might be upset about that. But at some point in time, you just got to get over it, right? Or are you just going to hold that grudge forever? 5-11. and 11. No one thought they were going to be good that season. Why people were mad every Sunday about Teddy Ridgewater, I don't understand at all. I get it. You lose close games. It sucks. It's 2020, the pandemic. It's a gut punch. You want something good in your life. You really shouldn't lean on the Panthers to be the only good thing in your life. And I understand that there's people out there that have connections with their parents and other things that make them love the Panthers and really gives them hope on Sundays. It's just, at some point in time, you have some perspective. And I'm not trying to sit here and lecture you. I'm just giving you my honest opinion as this is what we're doing here on the mailbag. I just don't feel like a lot of people gave Matt Rule a chance. Like 5-11, didn't expect anything year one. Last year, starting off 3-0, and and certainly the press conference quotes, they're not great. But as I keep trying to tell y'all, you can't take everything this man says seriously. Like, He's not good at the whole PR thing. What does he do on the field? Do they win? No, they're not winning right now. He's not out in the community like Ron Rivera because there's been a pandemic. He hasn't been able to go out in the community. And I would love to see him out there more often so that people can get to know him and see that he actually cares about the people in the city and he's not just here to coach football because Ron Rivera certainly made that the case. Well, Ron started off 2013 1-3. And everyone wanted that man gone. They lost that week two game on the road in Buffalo. Josh Norman had his issues that day, and they wanted him gone. Then what happened? They won eight straight. 
and they went on to go win, go 12 and four, be the number two seed. Unfortunately, lost to Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers in a divisional round. They also had hope because Cam Newton was quarterback. And that is one of the biggest things that David Tepper, Matt Rule, and even Scott Fitter have gotten wrong is they don't have a quarterback that people can place their hopes in. People, for whatever reason, placed their hopes on Matt Corral, which, hey, man, they, they finally drafted one. I just thought that was a little foolish considering that teams just don't draft guys in the third round and think that that's going to be their guy. We'll see how things pan out in Atlanta, but the Falcons stink this year. I'm telling you, they ain't going to sit there and bank on a third-round pick when they can have their pick of the litter in the first round from a year from now. That's just my that's my opinion. Come in April, when you look at Will Levis at Kentucky and you see what they got down there at Ohio State and C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young, who went out there and bailed Bama out again last weekend, you can't tell me that they would rather have Desmond Ritter, who most of didn't even want, and then they would rather have him than a first-round pick. Like, Cam was there. That is a big difference with what happened with – Rivera, because people saw that, hey, Cam's really good. And is this coach going to waste Cam's potential in his – not his prime, but are we going to waste years of Cam Newton because this guy doesn't know how to do things? Well, Ron got it figured out. You can't really say that for Matt Rule. Like, are we worried about him wasting Baker? I don't know. I mean, Matt Corral, like, I, I can't say the same thing. So, yeah, I do think people are way too quick. We had Roman Harper on here who came on, and he was on some of those Rivera teams who talked about how – uh, he didn't have any sort of judgment of Matt Rule in year and one in year two because what were the expectations really? I didn't think they're going to go to playoffs either the last two years. You wanted to see more improvement last year, losing seven straight games, now eight straight games. That's not the positive momentum that we're hoping for. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah, people are, are way too quick to jump off the bandwagon, but also people are a little are justified in their decision of how they feel about the team at this point in time. But there is still hope. Like Tepper can figure it out as much as I don't like him currently, but we'll see how it pans out down the road. All right, going to take a quick pass here on the show then answer the rest of your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on Locked On Panthers. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline where the game starts. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get back to your weekly Friday mailbag questions here on the show. This is from Dylan, who asks, why the sudden change of offensive philosophy? When Joe Brady was fired, Rule said we needed to run the ball more. We selected the worst of the three big tackles in pass pro because of what he brings in run blocking. We brought in a great second option for running the ball. And finally, Rule spent all offseason explaining how he's building a running offense. Then on Sunday, the run was all but abandoned despite my sour opinion of Rule. I respect your aggressiveness. However, too many things are in place 
place for a run-first offense to run all 13 times in a game. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Dylan. And Dylan said this to me after Tuesday's show, and I guess that's on me. I felt like I did a good – I thought I did a good job explaining rule stop process, at least trying to uh, parse through whatever he was trying to tell us on Tuesday, or I guess on Monday during the day after press conference. Um, but here, let's go back again. Matt Rule, as, as we know, talked about getting to 56 pass completions and rush attempts per game and thinking that that is the magic number that he did get to to win. That is a Bill Parcells philosophy, very old school. As we know in the NFL today, like Matt Rule says, the teams that have success in the late part of the season and in the playoffs are really good passing the ball. Look at Cincinnati last year who went to the Super Bowl and took down Kansas City with Pat Mahomes, who had been to four straight AFC title games. Look at the Rams who won the Super Bowl a year ago. Look at um, – who did the Rams beat? Nah, San Francisco, can't really say that about them. But look at most of the teams. Buffalo. Look at most of the teams in the playoffs. They have outstanding quarterbacks, which then, in turn, they have an outstanding pass game. The Panthers did not have an elite pass game, as Matt Rule likes to say, and because of the situation they were in last year with a bad offensive line that could not protect and a bad quarterback, the only way they're going to try and win games down the stretch was by trying to run the football. So that's where he was thinking. Now, you are absolutely right. A part of Icky coming here was he can set the tone. Like, pass protection, it's going to come along eventually. Um, and we saw Charles Cross on, on Monday Night Football. Like He had his issues against Bradley Chubb. It's going to take some time for him and Evan Neal as well, who we see this weekend playing right tackle for the Giants. It's going to take time for all three of those guys to figure it out. But Icky is here to help them run the football especially, and they brought in Deontay Foreman, who was really good in his steed uh, last season uh, for uh, Derrick Henry, who was out in Tennessee. And Matt Rule talked about being a downhill rushing team. They brought in a bigger center like Bradley Bozeman so that they could do that. And then they get on Sunday, and they're talking about, oh, actually, we need to be, or Monday, he's talking about, yeah, we need to be more of a pass-first kind of team. Now, situationally, Sunday, the Panthers only ran 30, 53 plays, and that's what Ben McAdoo said on Thursday, too, about why they didn't get some of those receivers in, why Chris McCaffrey was limited in the run game. They got behind at so many three and outs. They were in third down and longs, where by the time they, were got, they got clicking, they were down. And what they needed to do was throw the ball and not really spend too much time trying to run the football. Like, that's why they get in that situation. I do expect them to be a little bit more dedicated to the run while also agreeing with Matt Rule. Like, hey, if you want to win in the league, you got to control the line of scrimmage first and foremost, whether you run the ball or in pass protection, four sacks, and what they did running the ball last week, just not good enough either way. But they need to be able to pass the ball and have success that way if they truly want to take that next level. And the thought, too, last season with Joe Brady was, like, they brought in, like, Sam Darnold to stretch the field. We saw that one time. We saw it from Baker on Sunday with Robbie Anderson, but we didn't really see that. They need to be able to stretch the field, especially when they have six wide receivers that are currently healthy. And now with Andre Roberts, who's more of a returner going on IR, they have plenty of weapons out there that they want to throw the ball to, plus Christian McCaffrey. So I get where the philosophy is at, and I agree with it. But the messaging, once again, not great from the head ball coach here in Carolina. Uh, now over to Michael, who's, who asks, who's one player on offense and one player on defense that you're thinking has to step up to get our first win? Another great week of content. Hashtag keep pounding. Thank you, Michael. Uh, offensively, got to be Baker Mayfield. Joe Person um, from The Athletic wrote about it, uh, I think, on Thursday. 
about how Baker Mayfield, they always lost hope this season openers in Cleveland. Remember, the only time they had one until last Sunday was back in 04. So he always lost a season opener, but they always bounce back in week two and one. Baker Mayfield has got to play like he's played in those week twos and prior years and find a way to bounce back for this team. Was not great in that first half. He has to get off to a great start, distributing the football to DJ, Chris McCaffrey, and all the other wide receivers and tight ends on this roster in finding a way to figure out the protections and the communication and get that all together. Like He's supposed to be the leader of, the quarter of, this, of this room, of this offense. He's supposed to be the guy who can be the difference between this team being a bad team and going to the playoffs this upcoming season, So this season. So Baker Mayfield has to be the one who steps up. Then defensively, Shaq Thompson, he's the leader of the defense. He's a captain. He's right there in the middle. The linebacker play last week was not good enough, and it needs to be better. They have to be able to tackle. He has to. I get it. He wasn't healthy. He was on pup for all that time. But Shaq is one of the leaders on this team, and he's someone I think needs to step up if the Panthers want to win on Sunday against uh, the Giants, especially in stopping Saquon Barkley. Because when Shaq was healthy last year, he was all over the field. We need to see more of that on Sunday afternoon. Um, and then Don, we'll go to we'll go to Danny, who also asked about the linebacker, saying, do you still believe in linebackers? Too many missed tackles. Is there not anyone out there we can get? P.S. I still believe in this team. I still believe in this team, too. I'm not ready to jump off ship. It's, it's a work in progress. We'll see. Like, I, I, they didn't sign Corey Littleton or Damian Wilson to big-time deals. So – you can only expect so much from guys that they got on the cheap. Frankie Louvu, first time being a starter. Brandon Smith right now is injured, and he's been limited the last two weeks. Was not out there, was not active a week ago. Maybe he can make a difference down the road. So right now, lying about the linebackers are still one of the, the weakest positions on the team, and the hope is that guys like Wilson, who's brought in here to be good against the run, and Littleton and even Louvu can step up and help out Shaq Thompson, and Shaq can, of course, get healthier. So we'll see how that, that pans out um, on Sunday and moving forward. Question from Percy. He asked, Julian, in the event that Matt Rule does not do enough to save his job, do you believe that he and Scott Fitter are mutually exclusive, or do you think that they are tied at the hip and Scott will be let go as well? No, I think it's definitely mutually exclusive here. A little bit different situation here in Carolina. Um, Rule was hired. Marty was hurt here to basically be Tepper's babysitter and show him how things were run. And then Tepper got him out of town, brought in Scott Fitterer, who, of course, did not come into Matt Rule. And we saw this offseason. It seemed like Scott really had more control over what was going on in the draft room and, of course, in the free agent signings, and that Matt has less of a say with that. I do not think they're tied together. If Matt Rule fails this year, I think he's the only one fired, and that Scott will be a key part of trying to identify the next head coach who David Tepper would then have to sign off on because David Tepper will get the final say and will be an active participant in that coaching search. In New York, we had Brian Dable and Joe Shane a little bit different. If they both fail, they're both going to leave. In Las Vegas, the same thing with Josh McDaniel and um, Ziegler. If they both fail, they're both going to leave. I don't look at those two guys being tied together. But the next head coach who comes in, if there is a new head coach in 2023, him and Scott Fitterer, I think, would be tied together considering that that's Fitterer's guy and Scott would be entering his third season as a GM and really the second season as having control, complete roster control and you would need to see some sort of impact from there on out. All right, Rod... He says, you called the Panthers secondary their strongest position group after seeing the bad, the big pass interference by Henderson, JC being too grabby, and the Browns receivers seeming to be open all game. Should fans be concerned? It's just one game. I don't think so. I still think they can be a strength of this defense. Um, JC Horn, this is said by Phil Snow on Thursday, that JC, he hasn't really been out there. He, he was 
out for the most of the season last year. Then he was on pup to start training camp, and they had him come along slowly. One of the issues he had back at South Carolina was that he was too grabby. So he's still trying to get into his own here in the NFL, and there's a lot being asked of him to be the number one wide receiver and go up against Amari Cooper. Both of those penalties that we saw were them trying to defend Amari Cooper. I'm sorry, right now Amari Cooper, better wide receiver than J.C. Horn is a corner and C.J. Henderson is a corner. Eventually, J.C. Horn is going to be able have to be good enough to stop those kind of guys. So we'll see. I, I'm not too concerned right now about the secondary. Jeremy Chin played good. He played okay. Um, Xavier Woods is up there. It was a leading tackler on Sunday. So I, I think they'll be just fine. I don't think it, you should panic after one week. If you're panicking after one week, then you didn't really have any belief at all, in my opinion. Um, Luke, he says, I'm trying to be patient, but at what point do we push the panic button on Derek Brown? I understand it was a tough assignment Sunday against probably the best guard due in the league, but a clip of him getting pancake doesn't look good. He's not quite as bad, but at times he does give off real Vernon Butler vibes. Am I being premature or could this be this pick be a bust? I've said it multiple times. This is a massive year for Derek Brown and for the Panthers as well to figure out what they want to do with Derek Brown. If he plays well, then he'll get his fifth-year option. If he doesn't play well, then the Panthers will say, no thanks on that, and they'll sit there and see what he can do next season in his fourth and final year likely as a Carolina Panther if that's what they plan on doing. So uh, you can go through the All-22, and you can find so many examples of guys getting embarrassed. Like Micah Pittman uh, got no, – not Michael Pittman. What is, uh, what's the guy? What's, what's the Dallas – is it Micah, Micah something, whatever it is. I can't remember his name. Who's the Dallas Cowboys linebacker? Uh, Micah Parsons. He got like chipped on Sunday night football and it was all over the internet. And he was complaining about, oh, we got to get rid of these, blah, blah, blah. But it made him look silly. You can find so many plays out there that can make guys look silly and then kind of try and hone them on that. I don't know what the PFF numbers were um, for these guys. I'm sure they weren't great because the defense as a whole, especially him up front, they didn't do well enough. Phil Snow was even asked about gross mottos. He didn't do well enough. No one did well enough. Phil Hoskins barely had, like, the worst grades of anybody out there. And he played, like, 20 snaps. And way too many for a player like Phil Hoskins, who was a seven-round pick a year ago. And, you know, it was one of those questions of whether he'd make the roster this up this season. So, I, yeah, have concern about Derek Brown. Are we pressing the panic button after one week? I know it's, not, it's more than just one week. It's the last two years. He's never going to be an interior pass rusher. But he has to be someone who can who can be better against the run. And as we've seen, the Panthers have stunk against the run since he's been there. So, I don't know. We'll, we'll let it play out. Final question now from Kyle. Does Terrace Marshall have a shot of developing into a great receiver for this team? Or is his time here fizzing out? It kind of feels like it's fizzing out. I know one of my bull predictions as, look, I'm just trying to throw stuff out there. Like, I don't know how much I... I don't really tell y'all things I don't believe, but I was just like, you know what? Why not? Let's be bold. Terrace Marshall probably, I think, in my actually, I don't think it's probably, definitely has the second most talent out of any wide receiver on this team. Absolutely. And the injuries have really held him back, and he lost his job, basically. And not he did. He lost his job to Shy Smith. So I don't know. We'll, we'll look and see what the what the what it looks like at wide receiver on Sunday. Lavishka Chenault looks like he's gonna be ready to go. Ben McAdoo said he looks good. They had six receivers up a week ago, and one of them, the only one who was inactive was Chenault. And now you have Andre Roberts, who is on the pup list. Shai Smith's going to be the punt returner moving forward for at least the next two months. And then Chuba Hubbard's going to return uh, kickoffs. And I've had someone who's like, brick hands Chuba Hubbard. I don't think Chuba's going to struggle returning uh, kickoffs. Just not really great at a uh, – when he's, he's, just, he's sitting there and catching it. 
when he has to run and do a route, that's when he has really issues moving and catching the football um, at the same time. I would be curious to see if Terrace Marshall is inactive. I, would have to, I don't have the inactive list. Well, actually, let's see. Let's, I actually do have it in front of me from a week ago. <laughs> There's a lie. Um, the inactives from a week ago were Chenault, Barno, Mays, Marquand McCall, Stephen Sel- Stephon Sullivan, and, and Aaron Mosby, who got called up from the uh, practice squad or elevated from the practice squad. Chenault should be active and not go ahead. That takes the spot that we saw a loss from um, Andre Roberts. I still think Terrace Marshall will be active, but it's not looking good for him right now, considering that what Matt Rule said, had they played Higgins and Marshall, Higgins would have the first to come in. So Rashard Higgins is your number four wide receiver. Where does Chenault figure in? Is he your number five? Is Terrace Marshall so far down the depth chart that he's number six? And at some point in time, he's going to maybe be someone who's like, hey, get me out of here, man. These guys don't want to play me. I don't want to be here. I'm just guessing. I'm not saying that that's going to happen, but considering how I guess my generation acts, like that would absolutely be the case uh, at some point in time if he does not get an opportunity out there. All right, that's going to wrap up this edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag on Locked On Panthers. Participate in next week's edition of the Weekly Friday Mailbag either at me or DM me on Twitter at Julian Council. And again, be sure to. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at Julian Council and check out the show wherever you check it out on your podcast feed. Just rate, review, and subscribe. And also check us out over um, on YouTube. Just subscribe to the Locked On YouTube channel and be sure to, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. In the meantime, though, enjoy your weekend. I'm headed up to Boone. Going to be an absolute madhouse with college game day there. Don't think I'm going to the game, unfortunately, but whatever. I'll find other things to do and hang out just see the game day atmosphere. Never been to a game at App State, so going to go uh, do that for the weekend. But I'll be back Sunday, of course. And again, 6 p.m., hoping to have our episode out by on the podcast feed. Uh, YouTube, we'll see how long it takes for it to download, but it should be out there by 7 o'clock at the latest so be sure to be ready to check that out here on the show but in the meantime enjoy your weekend stay safe be happy be whole as always keep pounding and i will talk to y'all on sunday evening or monday morning whenever you listen to the show goodbye is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.